We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed. Blender HD, hopefully, on top of you on the GPP leaderboard for this final week 17 of the NFL regular season. Join with me, as always, the man behind the model at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson. Stuart, it's 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 where I'm 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 getting to the point where I'm getting sick of you now, right? 17 weeks. 17 slates. Obviously, we had Thanksgiving. You had some Saturday stuff going on. Uh, It's been a wild ride with correlation, right? Where Week 17, you have to admit, is correlated with uh, one of the the most variant weeks of the year. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, and I think we, you know, I've discussed kind of our focus on player-specific correlation. It does feel like you kind of have to throw that out the window, for week 17 and just kind of assume, you know, positional standards because there's so many guys who are going to be playing in roles that they haven't filled at any point this year. There's, you know, uh, wide receiver one and wide receiver three correlation that is, you know, completely different if the wide receiver two isn't, you know, there's, there's just, there's so many kind of uh, variables that are different uh, for week 17, such that, uh, you know, patterns and trends that we've seen between players, uh, maybe even their opponent uh, probably can be kind of thrown out the window. And I think probably just safe to assume, um, you know, kind of our positional baseline uh, correlation between players uh, as, as they kind of shift and move through different roles. Well, we have a large slate. It's 15 games. We're not going to go through necessarily game by game. I know the normal format, let's start at the highest total and go down to the crap ones. But I think it's, 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 it's wise to think of this slate much more holistically because we have totals that are high that of teams that may not be worth stacking uh, t- teams that may, may not have their starters play for the whole game. So, I mean, motivation, if you listen to shows this week, a lot of people will be talking about motivation in fantasy football. We have a lot of teams on the slate more than you would expect for, for 30 teams that, at least one team in each game is is motivated to to win to some extent. But obviously, these are these are these are professional, you know, football players. I mean, they're gonna go on the go on the field. They they're fighting for jobs. 
They're fighting for new contracts. They want they want to put up stats. He got you know uh, records that that they may look to get. Uh, so how does one Stewart try to model motivation into it? Because I view it I I view it much more simple. Maybe 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 I'm wrong, but wouldn't motivation quote unquote motivation and 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 the fact that you know teams may be putting out subpar you know starting lineups wouldn't they they already be factored in the vegas team totals and the spreads because i mean we see like the steelers are a 10 point underdog to the to the browns because basically the steelers aren't going to play roethlisberger and stuff like that you have the chiefs i mean the chiefs have a 20 point implied total we don't we don't we don't ever see that because obviously the chiefs are resting their starters so do we necessarily care about motivation when we could just we just go by the the most efficient number in all of sports, which is it, which is the betting lines for for closing lines for NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think Vegas would handle some of that, and I think you know I've been following as kind of populating our top score probabilities. You know, have seen that with teams like Pittsburgh, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo. I haven't seen indication that Allen will sit, but their total to me, I know they're playing Miami, but seems to be at a level that indicates that, you know, there's, you know, suspicion that Allen might not play. So, yeah, I mean, I do think Vegas will handle some of that, but, you know, I do think there are instances where there are teams that have maybe announced that they're going to play their starter um, either playing in like a low, a, a low to medium motivation uh, game, but maybe if, you know, the game goes a certain way in the first half, you know, I I do think there are some spots where, you know, there is risk of teams changing up their, you know, pulling their quarterback at halftime, you know, pulling their lead receiver or running back at halftime, stuff like that. So, I mean, from a projection standpoint, you know, I think maybe uh, we'll try to be a bit conservative in some of our like uh, market share projections. So, uh, you know, trying to avoid uh, like, you know, Tennessee, for example, I think they have high motivation to win. Houston has low motivation, but if Tennessee, you know, blasts out to a massive lead, you know, I could see, you know, you might, we might want to avoid projecting like running back market shares that are, you know, excessively high just because there is, I think some, you know, there, there's, there's some risk. There's, you know, if we are, if we're kind of median projecting, you know, maybe the median projection uh, assumes that like Henry gets 70, 80% of touches, but the mean projection might be that, you know, there, there are kind of these, you know, routes, maybe 25% 25th percentile, you know, lower 10th percentile where, you know, Henry gets, you know, pulled at halftime or, you know, early in the third quarter. Um, so, you know, I think we'll, we'll try to be a bit conservative in some of these share projections and that, you know, should flow through to, you know, overall projections uh, you know, maybe some of these quarterbacks that are in, uh, you know, low-ish uh, motivation or maybe in, in games where, uh, you know, an, an early indication, you know, early kind of winning outcome uh, might encourage teams to bench or maybe be more conservative with their starters. You know, we might uh, impose some sort of, uh, you know, course, like, you know, reduce uh, quarterback production by like, you know, 10, 20 percent, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I hope that gives you a sense of how I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking for us to handle it. Um, from, from a mathematical standpoint, it would be, even though that the median 
uh, may may be the same as like you're viewing it just like it would be any other slate. That right. it, it it's more it's less likely to be a normal distribution and possibly more likely to be a binomial distribution. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to people listening going, Oh my God, they're going to talk about math, but <laughs> it's, it's more of the fact of like in a normal distribution, you get that nice bell curve. Yeah. Right. Let's say like Derek Henry, like I'm just using Derek Henry as an example, because obviously he's the lead running back for the highest total team. The Titans need to win. It's a 56.5 total. The, the Titans have a 32 implied, uh, team total Dalvin Cook is sitting so like like the high price running back is basically you know Derrick Henry projects like god even even in the blitz and and Derrick Hardy hates Derrick Henry that mm-hmm. if if the Titans end up getting a you know a three touchdown lead by the half and let's say it's not even maybe Henry has one touchdown in 80 yards but they have two touchdowns in the air like it's quite possible that Henry like maybe does Daryl Dan Evans comes in and unless unless the, the Texans come back, like Henry just just sits there and waits for so you see these, so the median could be in the middle, but like you have like results where he either busts out for a lot or doesn't play. Like you you want to have a situation where there he may only get 10 carries or also 30 carries. And it's not normal in 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 the way that that you would look at it. I mean, it, it's it's a weird way of putting it where a guy could have the same median, but the distribution for these types of scenarios may change versus a a normal week eight regular season game where like, like Henry would just go into like the last series, even if they're up three touchdowns because, you know, they still want to win. It's the middle of the season and whatever. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I have a hard time deciding exactly what kind of the true distribution would be. I think it, you know, could be binomial. It could be like kind of right skewed where it's got this, long tail and I, I don't know how this camera orients uh but you know to, to my right you know a long right tail right there's kind of this lump of data points that are kind of at a henry floor um yeah i, I don't know so I'm, I'm just saying more likely i'm not saying to be perfect it perfectly normal perfectly binomial perfectly this way perfectly whatever way it's just that it's it's less i would say it's less likely to be normal I think that's a better, I just, it's less likely to just be a normal bell curve, uh, normal distribution. Uh, agree a hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, going back to your question. Yes. I think Vegas should handle some of that uh, stuff at kind of the game level, but at the player level, um, you know, I do think it does make sense to consider kind of what players are likely to be pulled, um, you know, and maybe, maybe being a little conservative on their projections Um whether you, you know, want to be conservative on just the final kind of DraftKings or FanDuel projection or like the approach we take is kind of trying to be conservative on like, sh- uh, you know, target share, rush share, air yard share projections uh, and letting that flow through uh, to the projection. So um, how about the other side of games? Because when we're talking about teams that either are motivated to win and typically they're going to be favored in these games. So we're looking at the Titans. We're looking at the, the Packers. We're looking at the Colts. We're looking at the, the Buccaneers. Obviously, all the NFC East teams, even though the totals are a little bit low. Yeah. Uh, how about on the other side? Like, we take a look of the like the Titans need to win. They're, they're, they're playing to win. They have the highest implied team total. The Texans, you know, there's, no, there's really nothing to play for. I mean, you, you take a look at the, 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 the Packers are playing the, the Bears. I mean, I guess... 
the Panthers against the, the, the Saints want to win for, for playoff seating and the Panthers right. have nothing to play for. So like how are you treating projections as far as the teams that like they, the Texans say that Watson's starting and they're playing like it's a normal game, but I mean, they could say one thing and they could do another in the second half. Yeah. I, I guess I would be less inclined to think that like teams that have low motivation, but announce some plan to, you know, play their starters or, you know, whatever, you know, play their starters. If they're losing and have low motivation, I would just guess that, I don't know, it seems unlikely bar from maybe like just a quarterback that's getting really beat up uh, in the back. Like it seems to me like you would think that the players uh, roles and kind of shares uh, whatnot would get, would, would, I guess be more consistent and be let there'd be less le- need to be like really conservative on say like projecting kind of a Brandon cooks target share. Um, but because there's kind of low motivation, I think like, so I think on, on the, on the unmotivated kind of losing side, you suspect that Vegas will kind of take care of tempering projections for those guys. Right. Cause you know, uh, yeah, but they're doing it for the team, Stewart. So, like for instance, we have we have uh, like the like the Texans. Like we'll use it because it's the highest total game by far, fifty six and a half. Yeah. So, because uh, when we think in terms of building lineups, yeah. to get into to, to DFS is that a lot of times we're stacking, a lot of times we're running it back, a lot of times we're doing stuff like that. So, <laughs> uh, if I'm let's say playing Derrick Henry on one side and I want to play a piece of the game on the other side, or if I'm playing uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you know, like those types of things. And I go, okay, well, should I run it back? Well, it's quite possible that, that Brandon cooks maybe, maybe doesn't see the second half, maybe, you know, Chance Hansen's out there and, and whoever, whoever they're, they're, they're fourth, fifth practice squad wide receiver, whoever's active for the game. So are, would you be more inclined? I'm thinking in terms of this, like mm-hmm. from, from a DFS construction perspective, that on a week like this, maybe I'd be less inclined to do the runbacks because the less the least motivated team in the fourth quarter has less likelihood of having their the players that the, you know the game the season's over. Why get this guy injured? Types types of things, and you're more likely to see. You're more likely to see that the Texans just win 38 to seven than need like a run back in order for that game to go back and forth like that. So I, I, I think that in GPP, I'm more, I'm, I'm actually more likely to just zero run back a, a lot more than I would normally do. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that hundred percent. What I, what I was saying is I think there is, you know, and it's player to player specific, you know, with kind of the, the age, general health and kind of how a team's going to handle it. But I guess what I'm saying is I think there's more fragility in the roles of highly favored teams that either have somewhat limited motivation, but are kind of planning to proceed as normal or have high motivation, but pending, you know, a massive blowout could, you know, remove their starters. Or I think there's fragility in the roles of those guys. I think there's less fragility in teams that are like, unmotivated from a from a role standpoint like um you know i i don't i i and you know cooks because of his injury history you know might have uh you know watson because he has kind of had this track record of getting so uh you know just obliterated by defenses you know i think these are examples where you know maybe i could see the texans pulling them but 
you know, like just David Johnson versus Derrick Henry, you know, running back versus running back. Like to me, there seems to be like more fragility in Henry's role versus Johnson's role. However, the, you know, the, the, the low total of the Texans is naturally just going to drag down projections of players on that team such that, um, yeah, I, I, I'm in total agree with you. I think that, you know, in, in these games where there's a massive mis- mismatch in motivation, you know, Texans, uh, Titans, a good example, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Jacksonville, right? Like, yeah, I think these are good spots. I mean, we talk about, you know, with Jets, uh, you know, being concerned about like, you know, wanting, not wanting to bring back Jets players. And that's not so much from a motivation standpoint, but just from like a talent gap standpoint. But uh, yeah, I do think there is like a, an interesting kind of motivation gap to consider. Like, I think bringbacks are probably viable in games where teams motivations are, are matched and, you know, the other, uh, you know, projections and kind of metrics that you're considering make sense, but, um, or, or, you know, games where teams are kind of equally unmotivated. Like, I think you had a really great call last week with Houston, Cincinnati, where, you know, the thinking is like, oh, you know, we don't want to play unmotivated teams, but if both teams are highly unmotivated, uh, yeah, it could show on the offensive side as teams just, you know, aren't really putting their best foot forward and not putting up points, but it could also, you know, motivation could be lacking on the defensive side and allow, you know, high, high scoring uh, environments. So, um, you know, I do think some of these games where there's equivalent motivation level, but on kind of the lower unmotivated side, you know, could, could be in play. I think there's one game in particular that I have circled as kind of two unmotivated teams that, um, you know, from, from what I gather are, are planning to play their starters. So um, I think we're going to be agreement on that game. I, I, I think, I think we're going to, we'll get to it. Yeah, sure. Uh, on the other side, before we get to start mentioning some games, because that's what people got. Oh, what games do you stack? <laughs> uh, how about on the other side of the spectrum, where we have two teams that are highly motivated to win, but the totals low? So, like, we have Cowboys Giants, right. NFC East is you know they're battling for that, and we also have the Cardinals Rams, who quite possibly is a game between two backup quarterbacks. They're both, both those teams, if they win, they're in. So like, that's going to be like the most competitive game, but it's also 40 and a half total. So like from, from a motivation factor, uh, I think uh, like for instance, in soccer, because I play soccer DFS, when we have these, these group stage games and in these European competitions, that motivation is a very big factor. Like when a team must win, uh, you know, they, they tend to, you know, screw defense. We're going balls to the wall. And a lot of times you roster those types of players in DFS. But in these games, like, you, st- you still have to go by, by, by the betting lines to some extent. I know Cooper Cup is going to be out. So, like, you have Robert Woods, but Goff is not going to be in. It's quite possible Murray doesn't play. So, like, it, the total just reduces the pro- projection on, on these, these players so much for a 15 game slate that uh, you would have to say that, that even though the teams are motivated, that it doesn't necessarily mean like, Oh, this is the game I have to stack. Yeah. I mean, I think there is naturally a want to equate motivation to like projectability or kind of uh, you know, expected fantasy production. And 
at least in these, you know, these two games, uh, and I think probably in general, like I, I actually am not sure I'd equate motivation to, uh, you know, high motivation correlates to high fantasy production. I would say high motivation correlates to, you know, stability of projection, right? Like highly motivated teams. I mean, I think you just pointed out last week, I think like going back that Cincinnati Texan, this is just the counterfactual, right? Like highly motivated teams are likely to also try really hard on defense. They are, especially if there's backup quarterbacks or kind of second string receivers as starting receivers, you know, they might be inclined to play more conservative than, than loose. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in these two games in particular, I, I'm not really equating motivation to, you know, opportunity for fantasy goodness. I'm really equating motivation to stability of, um, you know, the environment and, as of right now, Vegas projects these environments as pretty bad scoring environments. So, um, so I, basically the standard deviation of the game yeah, shrinks. is lower. I mean, it's similar to NBA. In NBA DFS, during the playoffs, like the projections are typically extremely good because you know that the stars are going to play the whole – I mean, like the, the minutes stability outside of a blowout – is going to be like, they're going to play as many minutes as they possibly can handle. They're not going to, Oh, though, let's, let's get this guy involved in the game. It's like, no, they already have their rotation set and you're done. But during the regular season you have, uh, you know, we'll let the second unit close out the the half and because they're playing well and those types of things. So like the, the variance, the standard deviation of the, the players goes up, but in these games, yeah, both teams are motivated, which means you're more likely to see uh, the starters the whole way through. Right, you might, so hence the projection is going to be less variant versus games where uh, it's quite possible in the in the fourth quarter you you see guys with uh, very high numbers, you know wide receiver wide receiver sixty eight and you go who the hell is that guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and you go okay well that's well that's why the starting wide receivers projection was quite fragile. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I I think you're right. It's a, it's a fragility thing, not a you know, scoring kind of opportunity thing, uh, at least in my mind. And, you know, like you meant, you know, you mentioned NBA. I mean, you see teams in the playoffs in NBA actually slow down pace wise. So, I mean, if I'm not, I haven't really studied closely how, how, um, you know, how, how pace is uh, impacted by playoffs are kind of high, high leverage games. But uh, if, you know, the psychology of just wanting to be slow and kind of methodical in, you know, games of importance carries to NFL play, uh, you know, you would figure that's that's a bad scoring environment for for both these games. Okay, so game-wise, we mentioned before, 56.5 total, Titans at, at Texans. It's one of, one of the few games, actually, that's indoors. Uh, we talked about Derrick Henry, probably going to be the chalkiest running back. I'm more inclined on a GPP slate to – just say that Tannehill in the passing game gets it done. And to me, to me, that's the only other, either you're playing Henry as chalk or you're playing the Titans passing game as chalk, or you're assuming the game duds. Like, is, is there, is there, is there a case to be made of playing the Texans stack with the Titans as the run back in this game? Um, I mean, I would say under normal conditions, yes. My concern is just like there's there's a really big mismatch in terms of motivation, um, and it's really, you know, right. Like if the Texans don't care on offense, and the Titans care a lot on defense, you know, it seems like 
you'd be kind of fighting that, you know, uphill against that narrative. Um, you know, I don't know. And, you know, Vegas doesn't have a particularly high total for the Texans and they're not uh, like super priced down. Um, I don't know. I think I'd be more inclined to kind of take Tennessee you know, of those two options would prefer Tennessee passing as a leverage against Henry. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about multiple times, how, you know, Henry at high ownership is kind of, you know, not, not a good, you know, not good opportunity to play him. And, uh, you know, I think that's because uh, you know, part of that is just because with no, with a limited pass catching role, you know, he does have somewhat, it's not like a limited ceiling, but relative to his price point, you know, it is somewhat of a limited ceiling as far as his ability to achieve, uh, you know, some multiplier of his salary. And then when you factor in that there is kind of this, this probability that, you know, uh, he just hits a massive, massive floor due to, uh, you know, some outcome that, results in Tennessee, you know, giving more touches to like Darrington Evans or, uh, you know, McNichols or what have you, uh, you know, it seems like there's pretty high risk there for Henry at, at his price. And uh, if he's going to be massive ownership, uh, you know, figuring to go something like Tannehill Davis, Tannehill Brown, uh, you know, maybe even Tannehill Smith, uh, you know, I think for me, I would prefer that as opposed to doing like uh, Houston, Houston side plus Henry or, or even Houston side plus, you know, a Tennessee pass catcher. Would you say that it's the same exists for the next highest total game Vikings at lions 54 total. So this is indoors also uh, Vikings have a 30 and 30 and a half implied team total. The lions have nothing to play for Parallel and Stafford wants to play. So we may get, we may get Stafford. We may get Daniel, uh, we have Dalvin Cook, who's uh, uh, obviously his personal thing to to take care of. So he's not going to play. It's quite possible Madison isn't going to play. Uh, even if whoever the running back is that starts, whether it be Madison, Boone, Abdullah, they should get some ownership here. So do you do you? I view I view this game similarly to the to the Titans, where wouldn't the leverage be to play the Cousins, Thielen, Jefferson type of type of passing game. And, and like I said before, with these teams that have no motivation, I'm not, I'm not compelled to, to run back any of these stacks. And, but if Stafford plays, I'd be more likely to, for like a Marvin Jones or a Hawkinson. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Stafford thing's pretty big. Cause you know, Minnesota, Minnesota is a defense that, you know, can be attacked and, uh, I don't know, Stafford, at least to me, seems like a bit of a gamer. So, uh, you know, if he's out there trying and kind of rallying his troops to try as well, like it does seem like it could be a decent spot for Detroit. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the only caveat with this game is that it's just like Minnesota has a lower total uh, than Tennessee and is more expensive than Tennessee. Um, Granted, there's no, you know, alpha running back that the offense is competing with. But um, yeah, I mean, I think in general, I, I, I would, would be in favor of kind of being on this Minnesota passing side um, and, you know, entertaining the idea of a Detroit run back kind of conditional on, on Stafford. Right. Salary may not be an option, may not be yeah, that's, that, that big of a deal. This, I mean, we talk about salaries. It's like when some of these star players are sitting, I mean, we're not rostering Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, we're not, when it, some of these expensive, like Dalvin Cook's gone already. So we're going to get cheap options. Week 17, once we start seeing the practice reports come in on Friday and Saturday, 
we may see this guy sitting, this guy sitting, this guy's not going to play. And you look at the top half of the, the player pool and you go, where is everyone? And it's like, play whoever you want at that point. So like, I'm not, I'm not as sensitive to salary this week. And that also means that I'm not as sensitive to ceiling probability for salary when it comes to doing a stack like in a smaller field contest, doing a Cousins, Thielen, and Jefferson. You know, those t- the two 7K type wide receivers because raw, I still need raw points. And how many of these 3K, 4K guys that may come out of the woodwork are going to put up enough raw points? Their medians may look good, but maybe if the Vikings come out and win by six, seven touchdowns, right? You know, if they come out, the Vikings come out and win 41 to three, or the Titans come out and win 38 to seven, or the Packers come out to, you know, I mean, what, what else do I need? I mean, like I, I could, I could, the, the, the Buccaneers, we have a 50 total Buccaneers uh, versus the Falcons. The Bucks want to win. The Falcons have nothing to play for. Uh, it's a seven point spread, but who says I can't just do Brady plus sevens plus Godwin plus whatever. I mean, it seems like these teams, these two teams already faced each other like two weeks ago. Uh, I, I view this as the same way. I, I'm more likely to to play the Bucks and not run it back with Ridley. I mean, like, and yeah. then once I'm not running back with Ridley, we have all these other high price wide receivers that aren't going to play or whatever. And it's like, I got to spend my money somehow. That This is why I think Derrick Henry is going to be mega owned because if you're not, if the, the, the high price receivers on the, the underdog teams, like Devontae Adams will be owned in the high range, but uh, you're going to have the money to, you, you, you have the money to play Adams and Henry. So I think a lot of people will, but I think the Bucks Falcons games is another game where if the Bucks win, like I'm just, I'll just stack the Bucks. Yeah. Um, well, that, that Tampa Bay game last week was very interesting. I mean, Brady, and Evans just went crazy in the first half. And I mean, <laughs> pulling Brady by halftime was, uh, or at halftime was, uh, was pretty wild. I mean, it does seem, well, just based on that single data point, it does seem like uh, Arians has somewhat of a quick hook for Brady, but uh, yeah, hopefully Atlanta can keep this a little more competitive than Detroit. Um, so I, I just want to go back quickly to the game before, because I was just thinking uh, you know, about the Detroit side and like Jones and also DeAndre Swift. I mean, do you think there is significantly like different fragility between uh, like running back uh, workload and kind of role versus wide receiver uh, workload and role? You know, do you think there's a chance coaches like, I don't know, running back to me just seems like such a grueling and kind of, uh, physically destructive position to play for a full season. I mean, do you think that it, would it be reasonable to think that like, well, you know, uh, rookie running back playing his first full year, he has missed some time, but for the most part, I mean, has played a pretty full, you know, season, um, you know, very kind of high, high workload season. Do you think like there's more fragility and for some of these unmotivated teams to, give their running backs more of a rest compared to their receivers. Um, or- no, I agree. I agree with that completely. I think, I think for me, the fragility is on running backs and on older wide receivers. Yeah. Like it, like I'm talking about a guy like, like T Y Hilton, like Marvin Jones, like those types of guys more or injury plagued, you know, 
books to some extent. Right, know? right. Like that type of player. I mean, we're talking about, but we're talking about fragility. We're not talking about, oh, I'm not going to play him because it just, it's just, it's going to be just higher variance. So, yeah. so yes. So, but it could be the other way. Like that's why we called it fragile. It could be that's like, okay, rookie, go out and have the best game of your life because, you know, we have nothing to play for. So we'll just run, just go, go have, have fun, you know, whatever. So it could work, it could work the other way. Yeah. Uh, can I guess what your favorite game is? I mean, probably that game I alluded to as the, well, I mean, I'll just give you a hint, you know, just two teams that have very limited motivation, but like, and they're super cheap and, you know, have reasonable totals. Uh, yeah, no, I think we're probably on this because I know you like, you like also both these teams, you know, independent of the fact that they're playing each other this week. Um, so yeah, go, go for it. I, I think you, you probably got it. Um, is, is it a 51 total? Uh, I don't have the totals in front of me. Um, let me I'm gonna make you look stupid by saying the game and you go, going, oh, oh, that wasn't what I was talking about. Yeah, hold on, give me a sec. Is it a 51 total with the two and a half point spread between two teams that I don't know what they have to play for, but it's a 51 total. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, we're on the same right, of course. And you, you can... know me, you know me, I can't get away from the stack. I did it last week and it didn't work. It's now I'm gonna try it again against the Raiders defense. It's the Broncos and the Raiders. 51 total Raiders with a 26.25 implied team total Broncos with a 24.25 team total, which is more than like half the teams on the slate 24.25. And like everyone in this game is cheap. Like, I mean, like, and the right, like to me, it's lock plus I do the same thing. It's lock plus wide receiver plus Fant, yeah. Right. And then you run it back with Jacobs or Waller, right. Or Aguilar or something like that. And there you're done. And then I, I just, I, I, I wait that, that oh that's a late game great it's a late game so that I sweat it the whole way through and then I went okay now that it's 425 now my stacks come alive and then it ends up being like 17 to 10 and my green number is boop, whatever I'm, I'm but I'll take a shot because you know this game is not going to be owned yeah and and I, I think you could go either side I mean I, I'd be more than happy taking like car waller Aguilar. um Probably would, you know, prefer the, I mean, uh, you know, Denver is just significantly cheaper, but, uh, you know, I think I'd be fine with doing like Car Waller plus, um, I don't know that I'd necessarily want to do double tight end, but, uh, you know, Car, Car Waller, uh, Judy, Car Waller, Tim Patrick, um, you know, Car Aguilar, Fant. I think there's like, a, there's a number of different ways you could do it. Um you know, you could also obviously mix in running backs opposing the, uh, you know, quarterback that you're playing. Um, yeah, I mean, two, two, I think, you know, it's very similar to that Houston-Cincinnati game last week. Uh, it's two super unmotivated teams. Really, both defenses, I think, are pretty attackable. Uh, lock the betting line's 51. That's the whole point I brought up in the very beginning of the show about – well, people are going to look at motivation and go, these teams aren't motivated. Maybe they'll do whatever. It's like, well, then why is it a 51 total? Like if it was a 43 total, I, I wouldn't have brought it up much. I would have said whatever. But I mean, the two we have two motivated teams in the Cardinals and the Rams and the, and the, and the, and the, the Eagles. We got the, the, the Eagles, Washington. We got, we, got the, we got tons of motivated teams, but like low totals, it's like, so the defense is motivated also. So that doesn't mean offensive scoring is going to happen. And I take a look at this game and this looks like two teams that like, they're just looking, they're, they're looking forward to their, their off season vacation. 
And that the def- defenders could be like, oh, screw it, run by me, whatever. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, boy, I mean, a pretty, uh, like, unique build would actually be to go double tight end, uh, Waller-Fant. I mean, two low-owned guys, uh, you know, both, I think, they're obviously tight ends, but I think two of the best kind of, like, run-after-catch tight ends, um, I think it would be uh, an, an unlikely, uh, you know, build. Um, I don't know. So let's see. Yeah. I mean, really Arizona, that Arizona, Los Angeles, and then the NFC East game are really the two games, I guess green Bay, Chicago, to some extent has two pretty motivated teams. Um, And that's a high total. That's a 51 total Packers at the bears, 28.25 for the Packers, 22.75 for the bears, but I'm, I'm assuming that like the, the ownership in this game, the game is Rogers Adams. I mean, like, like it, to me, this is not the type of game where like you could, I could see a ton of pieces. Like this is the type of game that maybe I just, I, I play a secondary stack of Adams. Plus you could do Adams Robinson. You could do Adams Montgomery. You could do, I mean, pretty much it's Adams and someone on the bears, right? You do something like that. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland has high motivation, but low total. Pittsburgh, no motivation. Lowest total. Um, how about how about the Saints-Panthers? I took a look at the Saints-Panthers, and the Saints uh, want to win the division or, or get a bye. Some seating implications. Right. Uh, obviously, the Panthers have nothing. That total actually came down. It opened at 51. It's now down to 47 and a half. But the most rostered player in this game is going to be Alvin Kamara. He's right. 9,500 now. Uh, but the Panthers are pretty cheap. The problem with this game, though, like this is the type of game I would go, I want to take Bridgewater plus two and then play Kamara as the run back. The problem is, is that both these teams play like two of the slowest paces in all of the NFL. So on a 15-game slate, do I want to take four guys on my roster at you know this projects to have one of the lowest like play totals of the slate so to me it limits although the panthers are cheap it to me to me the play total just kind of limits the ceiling here yeah i mean they're they're cheap but they have an extreme i mean we have them as a less than one percent chance of scoring the most points they're are you saying there's a chance that we're (laughs) there is a chance We, we have them as 24th out of you know 30 teams so like yeah, I mean, they're definitely cheap, but uh, uh, to me, they just feel like better options that are, you know, similarly priced that, you know, just have kind of better better spots like Denver. Uh, you know, even Houston. Well, Houston's actually expensive, but. Um, How about the Ravens? We have the Ravens at the Bengals. 44 total, but I mean, it's highly skewed towards the Ravens. 28.5 implied team total Bengals 15 and a half. But to me, I mean, it's the Ravens. So essentially like you play, you play Lamar, you can play Lamar naked. You can play him with Brown or Andrews or something nice. like the Ravens are, are kind of always kind of boring to talk about because stackability of the Ravens is very minimal and you're primarily talking about the quarterback, but they're motivated to win and the Bengals are awful. Yeah. Um, Lamar's typically a guy I don't feel like I need to bring back the opposition just because he gets so much 
value from his running ability. Like he's not, you know, one of these statue quarterbacks that like need a competitive game environment to kind of push their ceiling. Like he can get to, you know, his ceiling performance, even if the opposition isn't pushing him, pushing him. Um, you know, actually like, unlike some of these other teams towards the bottom, you know, Jacksonville, uh, Pitt, Jets, you know, I think like T Higgins is actually quite good. Um, so, you know, he, he could be a guy to consider bringing back. Um, but, you could, but I'm not, just not excited. I just, this is not the type of week where I'm compelled to bring back. Doesn't mean I don't. It just means that it's not the type of thing that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for as a focus. It's if it happens, it happens. If it works out that way. Like I take a look at the Colts Jaguars and I'm going hmm, 49 and a half total. Colts need to win 31.75 implied team total Jaguars 17.75 team total problem with the Colts hard to stack them because they go everywhere. Uh, the highest on player in this game is probably going to be Jonathan Taylor and not the passing game, but the Jaguars are cheap and they have nothing to play for. And you know, LaVisca Chenault or DJ Chark, you could play, you could play rivers with someone Hilton, I guess, maybe Pittman. I mean, it's not, the, the reason why this game is unappealing is because of both teams have just a lot of pieces. Yeah. It's like, you, okay, you want to stack the game? Feel free to waste 50 lineups making all those combinations to make sure that you get the right one. Uh, unless you just have a, obviously you just want to say, I'm going to all in on, it's going to be, it's going to be Pittman shark. It's going to be Taylor and Chenault or something. Uh, so like, like we see most weeks with the Colts, they have a high total, but like they, they show up high in your model, top team to score the most points. But from a DFS perspective, the distribution of their of their fantasy production just tends to be so wide that you never re- you rarely ever get like that ceiling fire emoji guy that's in the GPP winning line. Yeah, no, they're they're obviously tough to pin down, and uh, you know so is like Tampa Bay, but I think just the the ceiling on. Brady Evans Godwin you know individually just so much like you know you you sometimes are more willing to burn some lineups trying to like truly catch kind of lightning in a bottle with Indianapolis you know between rivers and some of his receivers it's like you know you're burning a bunch of lineups to like you know get like a you know flicker so it's just like you know you, you spend a lot to get uh, you, can, you can potentially spend a lot of lineups and money to capture what I think is somewhat limited upside. So, um, Oh, but it's okay for me to burn my lineups on the drew lock. Stack. Well, I mean, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think lock has like a higher ceiling than, you know, rivers, I think, uh, but it's more the receivers. It's more the same thing of like, you have Patrick, you have Judy Hamler's probably done, right? He got, he got killed the last game. So yeah. at least that takes one receiver out of the, then you got Deshaun Hamilton, he'll score a touchdown. And then you start flipping your laptop over. I mean, like, like the Broncos aren't all that immensely different than, than the Colts. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the, the combination of, at least in my eyes, you know, they're, they're, they're quarterback and like, you know, pass catchers have slightly higher ceilings than the Colts. They're cheaper. Uh, they're likely to be lower owned. You know, they're not, they're not like beating the Colts players by that much in any of these one categories, but they just seem to have, you know, uh, a step on, you know, the, their kind of equivalent on the Colts side. Uh, and like, also, I think there's just more, 
kind of even uh, motivation levels or lack thereof in this specific game. Um, you know, I don't know, but yeah. are there any other games that you're looking at? I mean, you know, God, I, I feel like I'm kind of done with Seattle at this point. They have a respectable total, but are not super cheap. Um, so I'm looking at it, but not that, uh, with not much intrigue, not really interested in paying kind of full price or slightly discounted Los Angeles versus, you know, no Mahomes, uh, Kansas city. Uh, I don't know. Be interesting to see, but like, I don't know. I just am not that interested in playing like, Josh Allen for potentially, you know, two quarters versus a pretty good uh, Miami defense. So, yeah, not really, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, we, we kind of discussed the, the Arizona Los Angeles as kind of a highly motivated game that I'm not super interested in. Uh, you know, I could be talked into a little bit of Dallas, uh, you know, Dalton with either Shepard or Ingram bring back. Um, that's kind of a, Highly motivated. The total isn't great, uh, but I mean. Would you rather on the other side? I think Daniel Jones has more upside than than Dal. I, I mean, that's just me. I'm I'm looking at the projections that I'm looking at, but I mean, I, I I highlighted that game a little because like it's cheap, and I think I'm more I'm I, I think I could play Engram, do something like Jones plus Shepard or Slayton plus Engram, and then you run it back with one of the Cowboys receivers. Yeah, no, I, I think that that seems seems actually probably right. I, I Dallas just jumped to the top because they have, you know, probably twice as likely to score the most points on the slate, but they're also, you know, about two and a half thousand dollars cheaper. Uh, if you're like looking at Dalton Cooper Lamb versus Jones Shepard Ingram, so uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. And you know, I like that Jones does have some running ability, so uh, you know, there's. He, he's been a the Giants, you know, always in my sheets are kind of popping as one of the, you know, high ceilings per dollar. But it's just I've never really considered them seriously because their total seems to be so low week after week. But um, no, I, I, I think it's feasible. Um, so being that this is the last show of the year, show of the season, hopefully the show will be back next season. So we could go on another 17-week adventure of correlation and leverage, right? Because that's that's what this show is all about. I know on the YouTube thumbnail it says game stacks, but that's that's for the unwashed masses to not because they don't understand the mathematical terms, right? So we just try to, you know, flashy things, right? The little quarterback and the receiver. Game stack. So what games does that? And that's why people click on it. But what would you consider, uh, Stuart, to be the one thing that you learned the most? Uh, this season in the NFL, not from an NFL perspective. I'm talking about from a DFS perspective. Um, hmm. I mean, I, I, I do think like at times I, I'm pretty price sensitive, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to take on uh, either teams that just have like, I, I think probably for tournament purposes, like throwing price sensitivity not out the window, but just dialing back uh, one's price sensitivity a little more. Um, you know, something I think I've learned um, really in the past couple of weeks. I mean, it seems like we, we talk about Derrick Henry in one way or another so much and not so much that I've learned, you know, 
like how to handle Derrick Henry, but I think just understanding kind of the trade-off between ownership and the distribution of pro, uh, you know possible outcomes and uh, you know weighing those two against one another and uh, you know just understanding like if uh, you know when when a player reaches some kind of 25th top 25th percentile outcome at certain levels of ownership it's just you know it's obviously helpful it's more helpful to own them than not but in the grand scheme of you know beating out you know 99% of the field uh, there's potentially more value in kind of taking uh, you know slightly unlikely or you know 40% kind of floors uh, and and be willing to you know excel massively when uh, you know, player who's who's highly owned achieves some forty percent, thirty percent floor that that you don't have exposure to. You know, I think you know I was listening to your course uh, a lot at the beginning of the year and just yeah, understanding like relative value of players, right? Like the value of a player that everyone else has. You know, if every player has, you know, if every contestant has a certain player, they offer zero relative value. You know, and there's there's potentially more value in not owning a player that you know, other people have that, you know, they're just going to miss on in a big way. So, um, you know, I, I think those were a couple things, but. Um, right. But that's a bit, that's the, like the biggest concept in GPPs. And that's how, that's how so many dead lineups exist in contests. It's, I, I always say that the large field GPPs always have the most amount of dead lineups and people take that as, oh, it's the casual Joe Schmo who like forgot to, check to see if Julio Jones was out. So he's stuck in his lineup, right? Or lineups that you go, they left 4,000 on the table and they played Noah Brown for no apparent reason. Like I'm not talking about those deadlines because there are a certain percentage of those deadlines. Not, they're not that high. They may be under 1%. I'm talking about the deadlines of basically cash lineups. Basically, uh, I listened to so-and-so and I played the best plays, a lineup that you'd see in double ups, those types of lineups. And that they're always cluttered somewhere around the min cash line, right? At best, like they're they're somewhere around there. And it's like, dude, like download the CSV. Sometimes on some weeks, you could find 10, 15, 20% of lineups that have those properties, have yeah. double up cashed lineup, media, high medians, great medians, very limited, limited correlation, limited relative value. And yeah, you'll, you'll bounce around. You'll get a 24th percentile outcome. Oh, great. You have 1.5X or they're somewhere in the 34th percentile and they just Mitch, you know, you'll see them all over there, but like the win equity is like, is virtually nothing. I mean, like you, 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 you're going to min catch a lot more, but you're rarely, it's going to be so, the only way that you win is that it's, if, if it's a 330 point score, because like you have no relative value in your lineup. So like Stuart, that's that's essentially the lesson that you're learning that you'd be you're more likely. It sounds weird to say that you actually want to win. You want to profit less often. Right. You want to build lineups that don't cash more often. To when you the lineup that does cash, it doesn't just cash. It gets you a 10x, gets you a 20x, gets you 100, gets you obviously first place for a million dollars. So that's. That's the biggest lesson that that you had this year. And the biggest lesson that I've had uh, was uh, in very similar with price sensitivity in like, I was always big into vomit stacks. 
obviously this whole the whole course of this year we've had such high totals and stuff that even i look at some vomit stacks and go where's the ceiling on a slate this size with these totals and in the back of my mind uh comes back to what brandon adams even said on one of our first shows when you know he poo-pooed some vomit stack that i that i wanted to play and he goes i'm just looking at the high total games and i'll, I'll let the field make the mistake and like sometimes i have to look i have to look at slates and go uh i want to play the high total games but maybe just play them in a different way instead of just going let me x them out like just let me just not even bother at all. I mean, I've done that before, but I'm less inclined. I'm more inclined to look at a high total game and go, well, everyone's going to, everyone's going to play it. And then I, then I do some studying and results DB. And while it was the most owned game, the combinations with the third receiver or the tight end or something was like, gave me enough leverage. Like it, like, nah, yeah, maybe I don't play the truck running back in that lineup. But once I take the third wide receiver and then just not play the chalk running back, I go, I do my analysis in the CSV and I go, dude, that would have been enough leverage for this contest. Like, so I could, I could play the great game environments that are even chalky as long as I could build the lineup in a smart way. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I, I'm probably quite faulty of this is, you know, there's, there's a tendency sometimes to try to get like too cute, you know uh, you know, you have, some, you know, four, four K wide receiver that you just love. And then you also have, you know, a, a four, nine, you know, you got JD McKissick who, you know, you think is kind of your ace in the hole and you like, all right, well, I'm going to play, you know, all, all my cute kind of pet plays in the same lineup. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be so different, you know, it's going to be no ownership. And I mean, yeah, if all those hit exactly how you plan them out, yeah, you're obviously in a great spot, but the reason they're cute plays, the reason they're your pet plays is because there are very, very realistic routes to that play not performing in kind of the most optimal way that you're hoping. And, you know, really it doesn't take, uh, you know, like lineups of, you know, three just like totally off the board cute plays. Like sometimes it just takes, you know, one cute play um, and then some, really good players that people just don't own because of price or because there's some, you know, shiny piece that, you know, is, is drawing ownership away from what otherwise are like really strong plays. Um, I, I think, you know, moving forward and kind of looking ahead to next year, I do want to try to focus on not, uh, you know, not, not trying to get too fancy and not, not try to, you know, jam too many of these, uh, you know, uh, cheap plays or kind of off the, off the, off the wall plays that, you know, I think seem viable and like, it's not so much that they're not viable, but it's just that, uh, you know, counting on like three long shots or even, you know, uh, slightly unlikely shots to hit, you know, it's just dangerous. You just set yourself up for, uh, just a lot of, a lot of, uh, failure. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Something I think continue to want to think about. Okay. Well, I, I hope, I hope that we'll be back next year on Roto Grinders with the advanced sports analytics. So Stuart for, for, for people that obviously uh, we still got the playoffs. I mean, we won't be doing shows. So, I mean, you'll, you'll still have uh, stuff for, for NFL during January, but obviously NBA is here and you're doing NBA stuff. I don't know if you're going to be doing MLB stuff. So kind of uh, what's the, what's the, the 50 foot, 50,000 foot view, the 10 foot view for basketball, I guess. Well, uh, for, for ASA going forward, 
through because the next time we'll be speaking if we continue we won't be back until september so so sell everyone on advanced sports analytics yeah so we'll continue kind of our uh program for football playoffs obviously sans this show but we'll be doing our weekly Substack uh breaking down uh you know the, the playoff slates uh we have started up our nba uh content we have projections uh, as well as, you know, kind of data aggregation visualization tools, which we rely heavily on in, uh, you know, the NFL versions of in our weekly Substack. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we do golf year round. Uh, we've been on a much welcome break from golf, but excited to start that back up. Uh, I think next week, um, you know, baseball, when that comes back, I, I, I actually really like our baseball product and projections we there's baseball like far and away i think is the sport with most accessible detailed data uh through you know open source python uh, stuff so you know we're really really excited with kind of how that uh how that shaped out last baseball season we'll be doing the same this year um yeah so that's i think kind of the 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 pitch you know for sports uh projections for all four as well as uh, kind of informative uh, applications and, and uh, you know, data uh, information, you know, sources. We also try to make all our raw data uh, accessible for free. Uh, so, you know, that's, I think, something good to check out if anyone is interested in kind of using the NFL offseason to, uh, you know, work on their modeling chops or, you know, building some sort of tools that will help them for next NFL season. Um you know, I think we encourage people to check those out for free. Um, yeah. And if I had a Manscaped read, I'd say, you know how I like my projections raw, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think maybe that's the, that, that may be the highlight to it. That that's, that's what says a lot about, uh, about the, the DFS audience that will do 17 weeks of top quality, uh, mathematical and theoretical analysis of, of slates. And people will remember the, the seven minute long Manscaped reads more than that but you could go to advanced sports analytics.com to check that out as analytics dfs on twitter Stewart is start gibson follow him follow him throughout the year i'll, I'll be probably bugging him with some mlb and some nba stuff uh throughout the, the course of the next couple of months you can follow me blender hd on twitter so uh so feel free to hit that thumbs up button subscribe on youtube uh sign up for roto grinders premium do all those things and uh, hope, hopefully we'll see you next year on the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. Mm-hmm.